Amen. Praise the Lord, everybody. Come on, let's give the Lord a round of applause tonight. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen, amen. When we say hallelujah, it means that we give our whole being to Jehovah. We welcome everyone tonight to our Thursday evening Bible study. So glad to have everyone in the house of God to praise God with us. Our online congregation, we welcome you. Um, after a day of well, most of us, I'm assuming, hard work, labor, either at home or on your job, and you want to just relax and just let the Lord have his way in your midst. We get so caught up at times in our day-to-day doing that we don't have enough time to let the Lord know how much we appreciate him. And, um, you know, we take it for granted sometimes that, you know, he's the one that give us strength and give us breath. He's the one that sustain us and keep us in the midst of what goes on in our life. I'm thankful tonight for all the things that he has done for us. Things so undeserved. He's been good to us. Amen. We're going to invite you to stand with us. We're going to pray and ask the Lord to have his way in our Bible study tonight. That we will use the man of God, open our minds and our understanding that whatever will be coming from his mouth, not just speaking from his mouth, but it will be coming forth with anointing and with power, and that God will use him like never before. Amen. I don't know if there's anyone in here that have any prayer records tonight. You can raise your hand. We'll touch and agree. Amen. There's a few hands going up. Amen. Amen. Just look around to those hands, and as we pray that the Lord will touch them tonight, and the Lord will move upon us. Let's just bow our heads as we pray. Father God, we love you. We thank you, Lord God, for this another privilege and opportunity you have given unto us, Lord God, for gathered together in your presence one more time, Lord God. In your presence there is fullness of joy, and at your right hand there are pledges forevermore. We lift your name up high tonight, Lord God. Father God, as we come in your presence tonight, we ask you to forgive us for every sins, O oh God. Oh, God, cleanse us from all unrighteousness, all filthiness, oh, God. Purge us with up, Lord God. Wash us and help us to be whiter than snow, creating us a clean heart and renew a right spirit within us, dear God. Father God, as we come in your presence tonight, Lord God, we ask you, Lord God, that you touch our hearts, our minds tonight, Lord God. Open our understanding tonight, Lord God, that as the word of God, oh God, go forth tonight, Lord God. You will use the man of God, Lord God, that your anointing will be upon him from the crown of his head to the sole of his feet, Lord God. I pray, Lord God, tonight for every hand that raised tonight, Lord God, that whatever the needs are, Lord God, we're touching and agree, Lord God, tonight. Oh God, we know you are a God that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above that which we ask or think and tonight as we come we come in the mighty name of jesus for in the name of jesus there is power there is healing in the name of jesus we get our strength through the name of jesus demons tremble at the name of jesus you are the one that sustain us you are the one that keep us you are the one that give us life and life more abundantly lord god if it had not been for you where would i be if you didn't die for us oh god you came so that we can have life and have it more abundantly and father god as we pray tonight we ask you lord god that you will pour out your spirit upon every person in this place tonight lord god touch us individually touch us collectively lord god we pray for those that are on the way we pray for our online congregation tonight lord god that too they too will receive number four lord god i pray lord to draw nigh unto thee and that will look continue to look up from whence draws oh god nigh jesus have your way among us tonight lord god it's not my will it's not our will but let your will be done in this place tonight lord god move from the pulpit to the pew lord god let your anointing move from row to row from chairs to chairs tonight lord god bless every home oh god touch us tonight lord god have your way lord god we give you glory father god we give you all the honor as we worship you tonight we ask your will to be done in the mighty name of jesus we pray hallelujah hallelujah let's just give the lord a round of applause as we continue to worship him tonight amen 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 hallelujah thank you jesus 
Somebody say praise the Lord. God is so worthy of all the praises. How about we give him the praise? Can we give him the praise tonight? He's worthy of the praise that we give to him. He's worthy to be praised. Lord, you're good. Your mercy endureth forever, Lord. We love you, Jesus. We bless your name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Aren't you glad to be in the house of the Lord tonight? Amen. Are you glad to see each other? Hallelujah. I'm glad to see you. Amen. We are in the house of the Lord, and we've come together one more time. We're together again. Amen. I love to be with the saints of God. Amen. And I always tell you, let's enjoy being together because we're going to spend eternity together. And you're not going to just always stay in your mansion. You're going to have to fellowship. Amen. So let's let's enjoy each other because we're going to spend eternity together. There are some people that you may be close with uh, here in the earth that you won't spend eternity with them. (laughs) But the saints of God who endures till the end, we will spend all eternity together. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Welcome to Thursday night Bible study. It's not quite midweek, but we still call it our midweek Bible study. And, and, and to steal a line from one of our sister churches, midweek matters. Midweek matters. Amen. Midweek matters. As a matter of fact, when you are in a fairly decent church, uh, the seasoned saints of God probably is edify and, and, and profited more during midweek than they are Sunday mornings. Sunday mornings is evangelistic and Hopefully, if you've been in church any amount of time, you're looking around to see who you can be a blessing to. And so usually the saints of God are they're they're working uh, in the in the field in the house of God on a Sunday morning, whereas midweek you get to come and allow the Lord to help you and speak to your heart and give you material that you can have to continue to review and go over and study. So we welcome you tonight. Those of you that have joined us via online, those of you that are here tonight, we welcome you. Amen. Today is a good day. Thank God for what he's doing. He's been good to us. Amen. Look forward to the days ahead that the Lord have in store for us. Amen. Keep praying. Um, don't, don't get too relaxed. It's not over yet. Amen. And even when we get to where God has appointed us to go, the work has just begun. Amen. I, I smile and I tease every once in a while. I said, you know, in this move, you know, we have a lot of different um, thoughts about the move. Um, some of us, you know, enjoy being here in this setting where it's nice and comfortable. And, um, you know, when we're comfortable, we don't like to stir the pot. We don't like to get uncomfortable. We like to be comfortable. And so while we know it is necessary to go where the Lord has appointed us, we like our comfort here. And so, you know, making changes, doing things differently is always a challenge to us if we find ourselves comfortable. But we have to become comfortable with being uncomfortable. (laughs) That didn't go over your head, did it? We must become comfortable being uncomfortable. So as soon as you think you're comfortable, here comes something to make you uncomfortable. So you just become comfortable with just, it's always going to be something. Amen. It's always going to be something. Hallelujah. You're in your bed sometimes, and here we go. You think, hey, you know, I'm going to chill today. And some things start happening where you can't chill today. And so you got to go even when you didn't expect to go. Hallelujah. We had a great uh, meeting last night. Uh, last night I met with some folks um, between the age or the ages of um, 15 to 35, ages 15 to 35, and um, we had some great discussions because 
we have to prepare for what God is doing. And um, you can't live for God selfishly. That's not living for God. If we're living for God selfishly, meaning uh, we're not doing this so somebody else could benefit, then we're living for God selfishly. Uh, we should not be living for God just because we are the ones that benefit from living for God. Uh, after you start living for God for a while, uh, it should be understanding that, okay, I'm good, but I want to help somebody else be good. And if we have that kind of mindset, if that's our motive, then we are uh, in a good place. But if we're just scratching and clawing, trying to make heaven our home, that might be a selfish way of living. And um, that can get you in trouble. We've been studying. We started a series on the book of Acts. And um, last week we got into the book of Acts and pulled some things out of it. And we're going to continue to uh, study the book of Acts. It'll be some time. I don't know when we're going to get done with this. And maybe I'll mix it up every once in a while and get some of you um, to... to um, ministered Bible study, and so um, let me mess with you a little bit. Um, you got to come ready. You never know what's going to happen. Um, I was here this evening, and I'm looking around, and again, there are some things that the generation before me did, and I'm saying great, and there are some things that they did. I'm like, eh, I don't think I want to do that. Um, but one thing that I do appreciate them doing, and that was, you got to be ready. And I never forgot, there were some evenings my pastor would say to me, I'm taking this medicine, I'm not sure what it's going to do to me. And so I'll give you the signal if I got to leave out in the middle of preaching. Think about that. He'll give me a signal. What does that mean, pastor? Well, you're going to go up there and finish up what I started. So that's the kind of conversation. Those are some of the conversations I've had. And then I'll ha I've had the conversation. Service started at um, 7.30, and I've had the conversations at 7.15. Don't look like I'm going to make it. 7.15, church started at 7.30. And so I say that to just say, if you are aspiring to be a minister, to minister in this church, I think it's a good idea if you come, when you come every time, like you could be ministering tonight. Every time you show up, if you got to keep a little jacket in the car, uh, whatever you got to do, you keep a handkerchief someplace, you always have some notes someplace, in your Bible tucked away, a, you know, a sermon or a little, you know, exaltation in the word of God. But you're always ready because you don't know what's going to ever happen. And every once in a while, God will put us in that kind of situation because he wants us to know if we were ready or not. So I just say that just to say be ready because you never can tell what the Lord will do. Not me, but the Lord will do. And so I've, I've lived that time, and I think that's something good to um, adopt, to say, always be ready because you never know. There's always emergencies. You never know what can take place. And the question will be, are you ready if somebody just walk up to you and says, we need you to minister tonight? And that's just kind of how it is um, as, you know, seasoned Christians, ministers. We got to be ready. Amen. The book of Acts. We started in chapter 1. We never got out of chapter 1. We stayed in chapter 1. Amen. And um, we talked about um, what the book of Acts represents. And we said the book of Acts represents uh, the birth of the church and the rapid growth of the church. We said if you want to find salvation, you would have to look in the book of Acts. Uh, one of the things that's important for us to understand is if someone is telling you how to be saved and they turn to Romans, uh, you don't have to read anything that they tell you after that because um, in case you don't know, the epistles are written to Christians. No, no, amen? 
<laughs> the epistles, you know, when you start hitting Romans and First and Second Corinthians and you go to Ephesians and Galatians and all that, just go back and look, if you don't believe me, and see how they start out. They're being addressed to Christians. So for you to go to Romans and say, here is how you get saved, but that was addressed to people that's already saved. And so Acts is the beginning of the church, the birth of the church, and that tells us how the church get, got started, and it tells us about how the church is supposed to function. And so if you want to know, again, you know, you're trying to examine to see, you know, is this church legit or what is this church all about? You want to go in the book of Acts because it, it kind of tells you how the church should function. So we talked about that. Um, we said Luke was the author of the book of Acts. Luke, Luke wrote the book of Acts and Ru Luke wrote the book of Luke. And so Luke is responsible for that. And I told you I wanted to go over the book of Acts, study the book of Acts, because our vision as a church, I believe, um, embodies the book of Acts. And so our church vision is for us to establish a 21st century apostolic church that is Christ-centered in lifestyle, principle, and power. And so if we are going to be a 21st century apostolic church that is Christ-centered in our lifestyle, in principle, and in power, we need to go to the book of Acts to say, is our church mimicking what was transpiring in the book of Acts? And so that, that, that also is encouraging as to why we're studying the book of Acts. And so we're going to jump down tonight. Uh, I think we had left off on, um, let me see here. We're going to start in verse number four. Acts cha chapter one, verse number four. We're going to start there tonight. The word of God says, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the father, which saith or which said he, ye have heard of me for John truly baptized with water. But ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, will thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? Now, I made a little bit of note or notes regarding that statement. Why did they say, Lord, will you restore again the kingdom of Israel? Why was that so important to them? And I pondered that and, you know, look into that a little bit. And the thought that came to my mind was how... We are never satisfied. If they were experiencing the kingdom like when David and Solomon reigned, because that's really what they were thinking. Lord, would you restore the kingdom again unto us? They were thinking, can we go back to how it used to be when David was king and then Solomon became? We want to go back to those days. That's what they were asking. Will you go back to those days? We don't like today. But if you remember back in those days, the way how the Lord was governing over Israel, they went to him and said, we want a king like all the other nations. And that's when God, you know, you know, said, OK, choose a king. And they chose Saul. And, you know, Saul you know, got corrupted and, and then finally the Lord said, all right, I got, I got a king for you. But they were the one that approached God to say, God, I know this is how you want to do things, but we prefer 
to have a king reigning over us like all the other nations. And so when you look at us, how we relate and how we interact and the prayers that we take to God, uh, I've concluded that we're never satisfied. There was no matter what's going on, we're always inquiring about the next thing. And I believe that we have to ask ourselves even right now. Can I just be satisfied with what God has for me at the time? Whatever God has for me right now, can I just be satisfied with it? And when it's time for the next thing, then I will worry about the next thing. But right now, I'm just going to be satisfied with what God has for me. We like to talk about, some of us that's been around for a little bit, we like to talk about back in the day. Back in the day. And I hate to say it. But when you're living for God, you got to be careful with the back in the day. Because the way God blessed you back in the day might not be the way God want to bless you in today. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, it says, now faith. It didn't say back in the day faith. It says now faith. And so we have to realize that what God is doing now, right now, not what he's doing tomorrow, not what he did last week or last month or five years or ten years. What he's doing right now is all that's important. Because if we don't get right now right, then we might miss out on tomorrow. Or we might miss out on the next week or a couple days from now. So we need to get right now right. It's like when we're in church service and God is speaking to our hearts and and God is pulling on us. We got to get right now right because we have no idea what is before us. When we leave here tonight, what awaits us? Do we know? We don't know. So we need to get right now right because right now could be preparing us for when we walk out of these doors tonight. So let's not worry about what God will do next week. Let's not worry about what God will do In a couple of weeks from now or even months from now, just right now, right now, they wanted to know would would Jesus restore to them the kingdom right now. Verse 7 says, and he said unto them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the father had put in his own power. Now you understand that right now is what's important because we can get to go to God and says, God, can you talk to me about what you need for me to do right now? God, God, I give myself to you right now and God will deal with you and talk to you about right now. But if we are into tomorrow or we are into tonight or we are into a couple days from now while we're here, we can miss the right now. And if we miss the right now, then tomorrow, tonight, whenever is irrelevant because what God wanted to give you to handle tonight, what God wanted to give you to handle tomorrow, you missed it because you were thinking about tonight and tomorrow when you were supposed to be thinking about right now. Right now. That is very important for us to understand as the people of God that every time we come into the house of God, it's about right now. When your mind is trying to stray on you to make you think about something other than what's going on right now, you got to talk to yourself. You got to begin to pray in your own mind because we can sit in the house of God and our minds could be in different places. Our bodies could be here. And, 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 but, but our mind is not here and you have to fight sometimes to make sure your body and your mind and your spirit is right here when you are in the house of God. You got to fight for that. The battle is always right here. And many times we miss it and thinking something. The battle is right here. The devil don't mind you showing up if he can get you to think about all kind of other things other than what God is saying to you in his word. Somebody say right now. It's not for you to know the times or the seasons. Let me worry about the times or the seasons. That's what Jesus was saying to his own disciples. Let me worry about the times and the seasons and you just do what you're supposed to do right now. He said to them in verse 8, 
So let me worry about the times or the season. But here is what I want to do right now with you. But ye shall receive power. (laughs) After that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. So while they're thinking about restoring the kingdom, their mind is back in the day, Solomon and David, because they didn't live in those times, so they read about it. And in their mind, they heard about it through grandparents and great-grandparents. They're trying to think about back in the day, and Jesus was trying to deal with them on right now. He says, stop worrying about the times and the seasons. Let me worry about that. I'm in control of that. It's like I say many times, let God do God things and we do saints things. (laughs) He said, we will receive power. And that power means that we will receive ability. We will receive aid and help after we receive the Holy Ghost. And then we will become witnesses unto Jesus in Jerusalem. Man, oh man. You know, the more I read this word, maybe I'm missing it sometimes. But sometimes the word is so plain to me, I'm asking myself, how do we overlook some things? Jesus says you will receive power. And when he says you will receive power and ye shall be a witness or witnesses unto me. He said you will receive power and you will be a witness unto me. Being a witness means you're given an accurate account of what you have experienced, what you have seen. That's what being a witness is. And so a lot of times it goes back to that whole thing again. Can we actually live for Christ and act like our life is really our own? Can we really do this thing and try to show any ownership at all over ourselves? Because once we step into this thing, remember the first thing we want to do is to be born again. We want to have faith by knowing who Jesus Christ is. We want to repent of our sins. We want to be baptized in Jesus' name, and we want to be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. So watch this. When we are baptized, we take on his name. Now we are representation of him. So who, whatever family you belong to, if anybody see my children outside, they're going to say, that's one of the Wyatt kids. And same for your children. They're going to, they're identifying those kids with who you are. And unfortunately, if your kids are out of control, either they'll say, well, I know the family and that's not how the family are. Why is the kids like that? They'll either say that or they'll say, man, they must not be doing right in that house. Either way, you either going to get credited or discredited because of what your children are, how they represent you. Now, that's up to people how they do it. I'm just telling you how people see it. So if we are children of God and we are his witnesses, whatever we do or not do, that will determine how people see God. Woo. All right. He said, you're going to be witnesses unto me. In Jerusalem. They were in Jerusalem. So... We're going to be witness unto the Lord wherever we are in our community. That's the first place you start. And community probably, I would say, let that start in your home. Let community start in your home. Then it can get outside your home and be on your street, be in your building, wherever. Let community start in your home. So we are witnesses in our home. It'd be interesting to hear what our children would have to say about us. As Christians in the home, what would your child say about you as a Christian? What they saw in church, what they saw at home, how you live your life constantly. What would they say about you as a Christian if they had to tell the truth? That's where witnessing starts at the home. And we can't be one way in the home in a different way someplace else. Then we're not being true witnesses for Christ. Because you can't be a witness in the streets and not be a witness in your home. God won't accept that. 
No, he won't accept that. What we say, when the flood took place, eight people were saved. Who were the eight people? He did his job. He did his job. Noah did his job. His family was saved. I'm sure he wanted everyone that he knew and everyone that that could get saved to be saved. But the truth of the matter, they didn't get saved. The Lord Jesus has made available to us today his indwelling power, which enables us to do his will, fulfill his purpose, his power that he has made available to us today. He did not make available to David and Solomon back in the day. So here they are worrying about David and Solomon. Sometimes we don't even realize by worrying about something other than what God is saying to us right now, we are doing ourselves a disservice because what God is saying to us now, what God is doing right now is so much better than what you are thinking about. And here is these disciples talking about, will you restore unto us the kingdom like it was back in the day? And Jesus probably scratches his head like, you have no clue what I'm getting ready to do. I'm giving you power that I didn't give to David. I'm giving you power that I didn't give to Solomon. I'm giving you power that I didn't give to Samuel. I'm giving you power that I didn't give to so many of those men of God that we know are great. And you are worried about going back in their time. I'm doing something for you I did not do for them but we're worried about going back in that time and this is something we have to look at in today's day and age as Christians are saying are we trying to look at all these other things aside from what God wants to do I was talking to my goddaughter today she was listening to a podcast and she sent the, the, the podcast to me and said, listen to this and let me know what you think about it. And I listened to it because it made me think about a little bit of our conversation we had last night. And so I listened to it. And I said, all right, call me when you have a chance. We can discuss. And so she called me and, you know, we started talking. And she said, so what are your thoughts about what is a husband and wife, supposed to be Christian woman and man, husband and wife, talking about some, you know, relationships. And so here's what the wife said and the husband, and this is what the conversation was. Why does it seem like young Christian men like to date women and never commit and never get married and all of this stuff and all of this stuff and going on and on and on? And I smiled. I said, Zor, here is why you're even asking me the question. You made the assumption, just like those two wonderful people made the assumption that these young guys that's coming in the church are Christians. Don't mess with me. I'm, I'm, I, I'm, I'm very tight on the word when we come down to just thinking about how we conduct ourselves. I said, Zor, they said Christian men are playing games. They don't want to date, and, and, and they went on talking about, you know, the attention that they like and all that stuff. I said, Zori. That's only because they're not true Christians. Maybe they are aspiring Christians. Maybe they really do want to get saved eventually. But what they're doing, their action says they're not. Why, can't, why do you say that, preacher? Watch this. Christianity teaches let me just deal with the man. Because women just have this thing in them that God gave them. They've been playing wife ever since they were three years old, two years old. They've been playing wife. They've been playing house since back then. So let me not even talk about them. They are top notch. Y'all top notch. Y'all been wife and housewife and two years old. And these knucklehead boys ain't thinking about that stuff. So let me not go down that road. But for the men, for the men, when you get serious about God, you understand that the most significant relationship the church will exhibit is being a wife. So when you are a real Christian man, you learn what a wife does and what a husband does 
through your real relationship with God. You might not have the experience because you've never been it, but you learn because you understand how God relates to his bride, soon to be bride, and how the church relates to the husband. And so you got that. You understand that and the importance of it. So when the time comes where you find somebody, as a matter of fact, you are searching for that bride. You're not trying to play games if you're a real Christian man. You're searching for that bride because what? Let's go some more. God put the man to sleep and took out his rib. So the man was always missing a rib. And when the man got married, he got his rib back. So he was incomplete until he got married. So the man if he's really in God, he's searching for that rib because he's trying to become complete. So a real Christian man ain't playing around with the girls in the church. A real Christian man is looking for his bride. So when you find her, you lock him down. So don't tell me them guys playing around. They're not Christians. They might have came because they're chasing some skirt tail. And it's it just worked like that sometimes. I've seen them chase it and got converted. But don't mistake them for Christians. And then say the men in the church, they're afraid to commit. They're afraid to get married. No. The real men in the church, as soon as they find that bride, they're ready to get married. So the ones that's playing, they ain't real Christians. Watch yourself, ladies. Watch yourself. They're not legit. Real Christian men want to settle down because they want to mimic that life that they read about with Christ in the church. And they want to mimic that. And so they're saying, man, I want my wife too. I want my wife. All right. That was a side note. Let me go back on. When Jesus ascended to heaven, He did not leave us powerless. He gave us power. We were given this power to aid us, to live the life that God intended for us to live. And we don't need to worry about anything else because God didn't leave us powerless. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. In verse 9, it says, and when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up. And a cloud received them out of their sight. And while they were, and while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into heaven? Watch it now. Watch it now. The same Jesus, not another Jesus. This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner. So as you saw him ascending up into the heavens, the Bible says he will come just like that again, descending. Uh-huh. In like manner as you've seen him going to heaven. Verse 12 says, then return they unto Jerusalem. Now, that's significant because Jesus just gave them some instructions and they didn't just go and do their own thing. When we get some instructions in the word of God, we ought to take it and go and do what it says. We can't get instructions in the word of God and just leave the house of God and say, well, that was nice. Or "Mm, I don't know about that. And then go. What made the difference? What makes the difference is what we do with the word of God. The word of God is living, church. It's not dead. I love the scripture that says, and the word became flesh. It means so much more than God becoming man to me. It means the word became action. It means the word became something you can behold. It means the word began to show you what it meant. When you read it, you might didn't understand. But when Jesus manifested himself as human, it means watch now what you did not understand. Now watch it and understand it. So that word of God is something different because if we will implement, if we will use the word of God, apply it in our
our life, we will begin to see things manifesting. We will begin to see things begin to happen in our life because the word is living. And when you utilize the word, it becomes something more than just words. When he said, and the word became flesh, it meant so much more than almighty God became man. I just know it meant so much more because God is trying to tell us when you speak that word. This is why he says life and death is in the power of the tongue. When you speak that word, you're speaking something into existence. When you speak that word, something is happening. And so we got to realize there's power in the word of God. It is not dead. It is living. And when we speak it, it does things that you or I could not do. The word is living. But if we don't respond to it, God told him to go wait. Can you imagine? They went and, well, let me go, um, let me go feed my camel because he got to take me out across town tomorrow. Let me go water my plants because that's how I eat. Because we can come up with really, really good reasons for not doing some things. This is why God told us, seek ye first the kingdom. So when we start to justify what we're doing, God's response to us is, is that seeking the kingdom? Is that seeking the kingdom? Okay, you feel as though what you're doing is very important and that's cool. Now, let's ask the question, is that seeking the kingdom? If you decide you don't want to come to church tonight. And you want your wife to stay home with you. Seeking the kingdom while you're home will just mean, honey. I just kind of tired tonight. Stay home with me. They study the book of Acts tonight. Let me and you sit at the table and kind of go through it a little bit and see if we can get some understanding from the book of Acts. That's seeking the kingdom. But how many times we say, ah, I'm not going to do that because. And then the actions we do don't have anything to do with the kingdom. I'll give you one that might not seem like it's seeking the kingdom, but it is seeking the kingdom. But the question is, again, how many of us do it? Honey, how about we stay home tonight? Cool. Well, what you and honey doing home when you're home? Because if you and honey ain't under the sheet and loving each other and getting intimate enough to exchange and make things good, you ain't seeking the kingdom. Because when you and your wife do your thing, you're seeking the kingdom. Oh, y'all, easily. Because y'all are missing this thing. I just gave you seeking the kingdom, sharing the word of God, talking about God, how good he is, and understanding his word. But the Bible talks about how the man's supposed to treat his wife. And so your wife is a ministry. How you minister to your wife is ministry. So the bottom line is, if you're going to stay home, you better be ministering to her. If not by the book, some kind of ministry. I'm just saying. But it can't be no, you stay home. She in one room, you in the next room. And y'all just going about your business, and we say, we're seeking the kingdom. No, you're not seeking the kingdom like that. You're not seeking the kingdom by she in the kitchen reading the magazine and you around there doing some other stuff, watching the gamers. That's not seeking the kingdom. Seeking the kingdom is you ministering to your wife either physically, emotionally, or spiritually. (laughs) Don't mess with this preacher. So we have to think about what we're doing. Is it kingdom? So I'm, you see, I already helped you to let you see. I'm not telling you you got to come to the building to do kingdom things. That's all I'm trying to show to you. That you don't have to come here to do kingdom stuff. But make sure when you're not here, you're doing kingdom stuff. Because he said to seek ye first. 
Then returned they unto Jerusalem from, from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. And when they were come in, they went up into an upper room where abode both Peter and James and John and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon Zealots and Judas the brother of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the woman and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. Did you miss this? Who heard or who read Jesus told them was to go to Jerusalem and pray? Who read that? It wasn't there. Jesus didn't tell them to go to Jerusalem and pray. He didn't tell them to go to the upper room and pray. What did he say? Wait on a promise. What is that, Lord? Wait on a promise. But when they went to the upper room, they didn't wait. Or did they wait? <laughs> Interesting, right? Jesus didn't tell them to go and pray. He said, wait on the promise of the Lord. And they decided we're going to pray till the promise of the Lord comes. That's what they did. But he said, wait. Whew. From this text, we can conclude or draw from it to understand that waiting according to our Lord, means praying. Waiting according to our Lord means praising. Waiting according to our Lord means worshiping. Waiting according to our Lord means reading the word of God. Waiting according to God means preaching the word of God. And waiting according to God means serve him. So when you understand that you're supposed to wait on the Lord, you're supposed to be doing some of these things, praying, praising, worshiping, reading the word, preaching the word, or serving. That's how we wait on God. So for all of us that says, well, I'm just waiting for my blessing, and you're just idling, doing your thing, you're not waiting. You're not waiting. And if you think that's waiting, what you think you're waiting on will never come. Because waiting is praying. Waiting is praising. Waiting is worshiping. Waiting is reading the word of God, preaching the word of God, or serving the Lord. That's waiting. As Brother Sharp said, that's kingdom business. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's important. When we say we're waiting on the Lord, you can't wait and do nothing. Our world think wait means just chill. Uh-huh. I don't have to really do anything. God knows. God knows where we are. God knows what, what's going on. We're just waiting on him. Let's file this away in our heart and our mind, what waiting means. And this is where we find the definition because God told them, to go and wait. And they went back and did everything that I just told you. That's what they went. Well, let's just find us. Verse 15. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, the number of the names together were about 120. He stood up and said, men and brethren, Peter, why are you talking? The Lord said, wait. But let's look what Peter stood up and said. Men and brethren, this scripture must need or must needs have been fulfilled, which the Holy Ghost by the mouth of David spake before concerning Judas, which was guide to them that took Jesus. For he was numbered with us and had obtained part of this ministry 
For those that says once saved, always saved, this is your text. This is your text. Again, we're in the book of Acts. So when people say once saved, always saved, ask them what happened to Judas. They will try to tell you, well, he probably wasn't really saved. Well, I'm here to tell you, verse 17 says he was a part of this ministry. So let's not try to make up anything else. The disciples said Judas was a part of us. He was a part of this ministry. So he was saved. He was numbered with them. So let's read on. Now this man purchased a field with the reward of iniquity and falling headlong, he burst asunder in the midst and all his bowels gushed out. And it was known unto all the dwellers at Jerusalem insomuch as that field is called in the proper, in, in, in the proper tongue, Asadelma. That is to say the field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, let his, let his habitation be desolate and let no man dwell therein. And his bishopric, let another take. That's a quote from Psalms 108, 109 verse 8. This quote, let his days be few and let another take his office. So bishopric is, is an office. So Judas had an office. And they replaced him when he sinned. Judas was saved. But he went and committed suicide because of his sin. Wherefore, of these men which have companied with us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John unto that same day that he was taken up from us, must one be ordained to be a witness with us of his resurrection. I thought he was waiting. Peter was teaching. If you want to call it preaching, whatever, whatever. They were doing business. He was expounding to them what the principles are, what the word of God says, and because they had to vote. Cast lot, the Bible says, but we call it vote. They had to vote who was going to replace Judas. So waiting, we have proof here. They was conducting God business. They was making sure they replaced Judas who gave up his office. And so that's what was going on here. Verse 23, and they appointed two. Joseph called Barsabas, who was surnamed Justice, and Matthias. They was conducting business, church business. Ready? Verse 24. They're supposed to be waiting, church. That's what they're doing. Verse 24. And they prayed. I thought they were supposed to be waiting. And they prayed and said, Thou, Lord, which knowest the heart of all men, show whether of these two thou hast chosen. I love that. That they may take part of this ministry and apostleship from which Judas, by transgression, fell. He was once part of us. He fell. That he might go to his own place. You know he didn't go in the presence of the Lord. The Bible says he went to his own place. You want to go to your own place when you die? Ask yourself that. Do you want to go to your own place when you die? Or do you want to go to where Jesus is? <laughs> so that's not a good thing if you go to your own place. Mm -mm, not good. Verse 26. And they gave forth their lots and the lot fell upon Matthias. And he was numbered with the 11 apostles, which made it 12. I'm going to finish up with these last couple of scriptures in Acts chapter 2, verse number 1 says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were filled, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. 
I bring that to a close there because I want to point out that Jesus told them to wait on the Holy Ghost. And while they were waiting, they prayed. While they were waiting, they served God. While they were waiting, they did kingdom business. While they were waiting, they worshiped God. While they were waiting, they praised God. And when the time had come, Jesus kept his word like he always do, and the Holy Ghost fell. And they received the indwelling, the infilling of the Holy Ghost. For the first time, man was able to receive God's spirit inside them. No longer did God's spirit thrive with men, but God spirit was now indwelling in men because they obeyed the word. They went and wait, but they didn't just sat around doing nothing. Oh no, they sat around and did the business of God. They sat around and prayed. They sat around and praised. They sat around and worshiped. They sat around and expound on the word of God. They sat around and they serve. If we are going to be a 21st century book of Acts church, we We have to wait because that's really all we're doing. All we're really doing is waiting for that same Jesus. That same Jesus who ascended in the book of Acts uh, to go and sit on his throne. Uh, we're waiting for that same Jesus uh, to come back uh, just like he left to come back the same way. And so we're all waiting on Jesus. Uh, but for the ones that sitting around uh, and not doing anything, uh, they're not waiting. But for those of us that are waiting, uh, we're praising. For those of us that are waiting, uh, we're praying. For those of us that are waiting, we're serving. For those of us that are waiting, we're worshiping. We are doing God's business as we're waiting. That's what the church is doing. The church is waiting to become the bride of Christ. The church is waiting on the return of the Lord. But we know what waiting consists of. Let's stand. We got to get there, church. We have to understand what God is up to. All we're doing is just waiting. We're being witnesses. We're worshipers. We're praisers. We do God's business. When, when, when people decide to walk away from God and leave the business of God, the work of God, we have to get other people to fill in and do what needs to be done because that's what waiting consists of, doing God's business, serving the Lord, uh, worshiping the Lord, praising the Lord. That's what waiting is consisted of. And so when God says wait, it doesn't mean that we sit around. It doesn't mean that we stay home. You know, this is important. We are supposed to serve our family. We're supposed to minister to our family. How many people do you think that don't come together in the house of God but say they believe in God? How many of those people do you think are home serving their family? How many of those people are home that's saying, children, honey, let's get the book out. Let's talk about Jesus. Let, let's, 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 let's begin to make plans on what we need to do. <laughs> the Bible says you will be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem. But he didn't stop at Jerusalem. <laughs> Man. Church, if we can just listen to God's word and just do, listen, we can't get by God. We have to examine ourselves and make sure our motive is pure. Because we say some stuff, but we're just trying to say the thing that sounds the best. That is probably what we like to airtight in how we present it when really and truly is it really factual? Is it really true? Or are you just trying to give a good reason so nobody can challenge you? But Jesus says we must be witnesses first in Jerusalem, which is our home, our neighborhood, our community. Then after Jerusalem, then Samaria. Uh huh. 
and we and we go on and on. So even if we're trying to say we're doing the work of God while we're home, after a while, you got to come come away from Jerusalem. <laughs> after a while, you got to leave Jerusalem and go some other place to be a witness. Oh, God, I can't mess with the Lord, man. If you want to stay here and, and, and fuss with God and fight with God and try to use your head on God, you go ahead. I am not. I, that will wear me out trying to figure out how to always say something to the Lord that sounds good so I can have a good excuse as to why I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do. That will wear me out. Because if you think about it, if you know the word of God, you will realize, what can I tell him? He's told me what to do. Seek first the kingdom. And that's all I need to be telling him. And if I'm home, am I seeking the kingdom? I love the Lord. I thank God for his goodness and his mercy. God is good to us, church. We're going to study the book of Acts. We're going to go through the book of Acts. We're going to let the book of Acts speak to us. We're not speaking to the book of Acts. It's going to speak to us. We need to read it and let it speak to us. This book will talk to us if we let it. And maybe this will also give us uh, help in how we study in our own private times. You can see what we're doing as we go through the text line by line and, 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 and paragraph by paragraph and, and just learn the word of God. Let the word speak to us and we will learn a lot about the Lord. We're going to learn a whole lot about what the church is all about so we can make ourselves accountable to the Lord as to who we are as his church. You can't do something effectively if you don't know what you're supposed to do. No way you can do something effectively if you don't know what to do. So if we're going to be the church, we need to know what the church is all about. And we're going to find that out in the book of Acts. Father, we thank you tonight for your word. We thank you for allowing us to be in your presence, for coming together one more time, Lord God, and allowing your word to saturate our heart and our mind, Lord. We're so grateful that we have this privilege, this opportunity, Lord God. We want your will to be done, Father. And everything that's been spoken here tonight, Lord God, Lord, I pray that you'll help us uh, to dissect, to understand, to apply it in our life, Lord God. That we will not just be hearers of your word, but we will be hearers and doers of the word of God. Help us, oh God, tonight that we can grow from tonight's lesson, Lord God. That we can mature from tonight's lesson, Lord God. That we're able to move forward in a deeper relationship with you, Lord God. Bless us, Lord Jesus and help us to have godly homes and oh God to do godly things and to be your witness almighty God because you have given us dunamis power to aid us to enable us to do your will I pray tonight that your will be done your kingdom come and that Lord our night will be totally what you want it to be Lord we thank you for blessing us we thank you for speaking to us, and we thank you, Lord God, for what you're doing in our lives, in this church, Lord God. We give you praise and honor, for there is none like you. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Bless your people, Lord. Let your peace that passes all understanding rest upon them. Let your joy flood their soul, Almighty oh God. And oh, Lord. Lord Jesus, help us to grow in you and walk in your statues, Lord. I thank you tonight, Lord. I praise you and honor you. You are so good. And we thank you, Lord. Lord, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Come on, let's love him with a hand clap of praise tonight. Let's love the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Don't forget we're on the last leg of making our purchase for the new property and we are needing 125000 Still give to the building fund. Don't ease up. Keep on giving so God can take us all the way to where we need to be. God bless you. I love you. Have a great rest of your night.